Hey guys, this is Paige and welcome to the Uniquely Chambers podcast. Join me each week as I dive into topics on transitioning into motherhood, being a stepmom, a new wife, and trying to find a new identity in this new season of life. New in this season of the podcast, my husband Brady was going to be joining us a little bit more regularly. He's looking forward to sharing his journey in fatherhood with a newborn and a preteen, transitioning into a new career, and so much more. We are also really excited to welcome new guests onto the show who bring their own unique experience and knowledge of family life, entrepreneurship, self-development, and everything in between. If you followed us in season one, you already know we prefer the unique path in life, and we're excited to continue to share our experience and what shaped our journey. So let's get to it. Well, for those of you that listen and are in Southern Ontario, what kind of weather are we going to have this week? Um, I know I'm currently sitting here watching it snow outside. I was doing a little bit of freezing rain earlier and I'm hearing, uh, some inkling apparently that we're going to get rain by the end of the week. So we're really excited for that. But, um, today I wanted to cover Casey's birth story. So this is not something that I have shared very much on social media. It is not something that I have shared with anyone other than really our really close family and friends. Um, because it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a journey. As I detailed in my last podcast, I, my water broke on Tuesday going into Wednesday after the Thanksgiving weekend here in Canada. And, um, it, it was kind of a process. So I was admitted technically that Wednesday morning at four o'clock in the morning after they monitored me. And apparently they didn't think my water had actually broke, but they couldn't prove that it hadn't. And I was still leaking fluid. So they decided to admit me for observation, I guess, but they did move me to a labor and delivery room. Um, so I was told by the doctor that I would be seen by an OB that day again, and I was going to go for an ultrasound and they were going to get some blood work done. So I was told to basically get some rest. So Brady dropped me off with my birthing bags and, or like my hospital bags and all my birth stuff and my pillow. And he went home because we had Corbin that day to get him ready for school. And this is about three o'clock in the morning at this point. And I tried to get some sleep in between the nurses coming in to check me, check vitals, check the fetal monitoring, all of it. So lo and behold, they came in at seven and brought me breakfast. And then at nine o'clock, I was taken down for an ultrasound. So the ultrasound tax don't normally give you a lot of information, but I was like, I'm going to ask questions and see if I can get answers. So I was still leaking a lot of fluid at that point. Like I was having to wear Depends underwear because it was that bad. So if you don't like gore and detail, this is not the podcast for you today. Move on to the next one um, because I will detail kind of some things that happened. But yeah, I was rocking the adult Depends diapers because I had no choice. So we went down for the ultrasound and the tech said, yeah, you're definitely missing fluid. You only have a pocket here and here. And I said, okay, like how much fluid? He's like, you have very, very low fluid. And I was like, okay, so obviously my water is broke then. He's like, well, they're definitely going to have to do something about this. Well, silly me went back to my room and started Googling and realized, okay, if my water broke, they have a 24 to 48 hour window to do something before infection sets in. But if you were listening to my last podcast, I was being treated at that point for a bladder infection. So they had started me on antibiotics. So I think they also knew they had a little bit more time because they were already treating what they thought I had. Now, looking back, I don't think I had a bladder infection. I think that my body was just starting to go into labor. 
Um, however, I never actually went into labor. I never had contractions. Um, I never had anything. I just had a broken water and I was basically in limbo waiting. So, sorry guys, apparently I paused this. Apparently I'm hitting it with my chin. I'm sitting here with Casey napping on my chest. So I'm trying to find a way to do this carefully. Um, anyways, so at that point we were rolled back up. I did my research, waited for the OB. I waited, I waited, I waited. The nurses were still coming in, checking me every couple hours, giving me my antibiotics. And finally by two o'clock in the afternoon, they came in and they told me, so the OB has had a really rough case and she's not going to be able to get to you today. Your OB is in tomorrow and we feel she's better suited to handle your case. So chances are, based on what we've heard, you're going to be induced tomorrow. So tomorrow was Thursday. And I was like, okay, so another day in the hospital. Got it. And at this point, my mom had come and she was sitting with me because I was by myself. Brady had running around to do because obviously we weren't really expecting to go this early. So we had to make sure the dogs were all stocked up with what they needed. And we had Corbin. And because I'm responsible for picking Corbin up, he was having to do that. And so it was a little bit of chaos. So my mom was like, okay, that's great. Do you need anything? I'm going to go. That way I'm back here tomorrow so we can be ready for induction. Like, great. So again, still getting checked, whatever. Brady came for dinner. We hung out. We, because we were in a labor and delivery room and this wasn't a room that they used often, um, there wasn't anywhere for Brady to sleep. So he ended up going home at night, which was fine. So the next morning I got up early I had a shower, I got ready for my day, I ate, and like I was prepared. So I also was supposed to have an appointment with my OB that day in the hospital for my regularly scheduled visit. And that was scheduled for 9.45. So Brady showed up at 9 o'clock and we waited and we waited and I said, well, should we just walk down and see? So we walked down and I saw my um, triage nurse that I deal with all the time and she knew I was there. She's like, oh no, I know you've been here. I saw you walking yesterday and um, doctor, the doctor knows that you're here and she's going to come see you. She knows you're on the ward floor. I'm like, great. So we went back to my room and we waited some more. Then my mom showed up. Brady said, I'm going to run out and get a couple things while this is happening because we still don't have any answers. And at this point, they're still checking my vitals. So as it pushes closer to noon, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm at 36 hours at this point where my water has been broke and I'm getting a little nervous now. <laughs> So I'm like, I just want to know what's happening. Like, I just want to know what is going to happen here. So the nurses switched and I had a new nurse come in for noon. And I told my mom, I said, you know, I'm going to ask what's going on. So she came in and she's like, hey, I'm just here. Check your vitals and blah, blah, blah. And so that's great. I have some questions. And she looked at me and I said, okay. And She's like, what can I, what can we do for you? And I said, well, I just need to know what's happening. She's like, what do you mean? And I said, you know, I've been here since Tuesday night at whatever time. I was admitted on Wednesday morning at three o'clock in the morning. And my understanding is that I'm supposed to be induced today because my water has broke. She's like, your water broke? And I said, yes, my water has been broke since uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday morning at that 11 o'clock to midnight aspect. She's like, oh, she's like, interesting. So like, this isn't on my file is my question, I guess, at this point. Like, people don't know this. But anyways, she's like, well, let me go talk to the OB. And I said, yeah, the OB is my OB. She knows my case. But I have not seen her yet this morning. So I'm just kind of wondering what's going on because I'm getting a little nervous. She's like, yep, I'll get you the information. And I looked at my mom and I said, if she's not back at 1 o'clock, I'm calling my family doctor. 
So my family doctor through my whole pregnancy was really a huge support. Um, I totally believe that you have to be your own advocate in healthcare after this situation, but I will say my family doctor has always had my best interest at heart. And for that, I give kudos because there's not a lot of doctors out there that would go above and beyond like she does. So we waited and waited and one o'clock rolls around and still nothing. So I was like, you know what? That's it. We're calling. So I called my family doctor. I got reception. I told them what was happening, that I was in the hospital, that my water had broke, but I wasn't in active labor. I had been there since Tuesday night at whatever time. And like, I just wanted to talk to my doctor and see like what I should do. Like, should I be going to a different hospital? Should something be happening? Like, what do I do here? Because I'm getting nervous. Immediately they transferred me to her. And right away she said, yeah, I saw your admittance letter and I've kind of just been waiting for the birth arrival. And I was like, yeah, no, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> and I said, you know, like I'm still sitting here. I don't know what to do. She's like, yeah, that is a really long time to wait. I am a little concerned for you. You know, you need to, you need to say how you're, you're nervous. Like you're worried, you're worried for the baby, you're worried for yourself. And she kind of gave me some coaching tips on what to say. So, and got off the phone with her and I felt a little better because at least, you know, I wasn't out to lunch on how I was feeling. Um, I, my feelings were valid. So I, I felt a lot more confident in, you know, being my own advocate and pushing forward. So my mom and I decided to go for a walk around the ward as I had been for a couple of days because being cooped up in that room was a lot. And the nurse I ran into said, Oh, has she come? Has the OB come to see you yet? And I said, no, she hasn't. She's like, okay, she's just dealing with a uh, C-section and then I'm sure she's going to come see you. So about 25 minutes later, my OB walks in and she's like, okay, Hey girl, how's it going? Like what's, what's up? So I explained, I said, you know, my water broke, blah, 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 blah. She's like, yep. I got a message from the OB that night. Cause he was actually my mentor when I was coming up and you know, he didn't fully believe that your water had broke, but because of your case, he didn't want to send you home cause you're high risk. And I said, okay. She's like, however, I do believe that your water's broke. And I said, okay. And I said, I'm just sitting here and I haven't had any kind of exam from an OB since him that night. So like, should we be concerned? She's like, nope. She's like, I think at this point, you know, we're still early. We're still preterm. I was never really going to let you go to term anyway. So I think that we should start the induction process. She's like, that comes with its own risks. Like obviously with him coming early and premature, there's a possibility that, you know, we might have to have him under the lights, he might have to have some sugars, he might have to have some respiratory things, like, we don't know, we won't know until it happens, she's like, but I think that the best thing at this point is we induce you, she, and then her phone rang, and I was like, okay, she's like, hold on, so she answered the phone, and somebody down the hall was in the middle of delivering, she's like, here's the thing, she's like, I need to have a nurse in order to induce you, the only way for me to get a nurse, because you weren't on the list to be induced today, is for, me to have an opening and she's like and I think that that opening just happened she's like I need to go deliver this baby and then I'm going to come back mm. I'm like okay so she went down delivered the baby she was gone for about probably 45 minutes came back and she came back with her ultrasound machine she said listen I know I said that I wasn't going to check and she's like and I know I said I believed it she's like I just want to make sure everything's good so she did an ultrasound herself and she's like nope you are definitely missing fluid <laughs> and I was like yeah we knew that and then she said, okay, so let's, would you mind if I do a cervical? And I was like, sure, nobody has touched me in more than 24 hours, so go for it. She's like, okay, your cervix are not dilated, but they are soft. They're just not dropped yet. And I'm like, okay. 
She's like, so you're literally starting from square one. I'm like, okay. She's like, so my suggestion at this point is that you get lots of food in you and get prepared because it's going to be a long night. I was like, okay. She's like, the nurse will be in as soon as she's ready and we'll get started. So right away, everything started changing. And my mom was like, I'll go get you food. I had to call Brady and tell him to come back. So this is now about 3.30 in the afternoon. I'm like, okay, here we go. So my mom got me a bunch of food and I started to get nervous. And, you know, because at that point, I'm now having to think, okay, I'm having a premature baby, a baby that's preterm. Like, what, what does that mean? What can happen? Should I be concerned? Like, what's going on? The fetal monitoring had been good the whole time. But I was just, I was really getting nervous. Because there was, there was like a two-day buildup, right? Who wouldn't get nervous? So I uh, ate my face off of food. And of course, very quickly puked it up because HG. And decided to try and go to the bathroom. And then no sooner do I get in the bathroom, the nurse shows up to start the induction process. So she comes in, she introduces herself. She walks me through what's going to happen. So they're going to give me Pitocin. And it's basically going to start my labor. Okay, and she gives me the intervals like every so often, we're, every half hour, we're going to up it to this until we get to this point, And then we're going to let it sit there for a little while. And then we're going to up it again. I'm like, okay, here we go. So they get, they, and she's like, you've got to be on IV the whole time. So right away, my birthing plan has gone out the window because right off the hop, I didn't want feel, fetal monitoring the whole time. I didn't want, um, IV the whole time I wanted to be able to move which I still was able to move around with the IV um, I was able to forego the fetal monitoring all the time um, until the Pitocin started so when the Pitocin started I had to have the monitors on me all the time which was annoying now they were not internal monitors they were external and you could go to the bathroom with them and do whatever like it was not a big deal but it was still something that I had to track around um and my nurse was amazing. Like, she answered all my questions. She was really cool. We got to know her. Like, it was a really comforting situation. So, that was really nice. Um, fast forward. So, Brady shows up. And at this point, like, I'm starting to feel contractions. But they don't really feel anything crazy. Nothing nothing too exciting. So, I'm thinking, okay, this isn't terrible. Like, we're, we're okay. And she's like, are you open to an epidural? And I said, oh, yeah. I am the person, like, give me all the drugs. Like, that is totally fine. And she laughed and I said, I, I would rather not have pain because I don't manage pain well. And she said, okay, no problem. So we had a nurse that covered her break that I did not necessarily get along with. And I don't think it helped that my contractions at that point were getting worse. But at that point I was on the ball trying to get through contractions and it, they were coming probably every couple minutes and I was, they were pretty intense. Like I was having to really, really breathe through them. Um, but part of it was like, we're post COVID, right? So we're getting into the season though, where sometimes they add masking back in and in the hospital in certain areas, they've added masking back in. So like we had to wear masks to come to my room, but once we were in my room, we didn't necessarily have to wear them. And nobody on the floor had said anything about us not wearing them in the room. This nurse comes in and tells us that we all have to have masks on. And I looked at her dead in the face and I'm like, I am not putting a goddamn mask on. I am in the middle of laboring and I am going through a contraction. There's no way in hell. She's like, uh, oh, okay. And I said, yeah, no. And so my mom and Brady put them back on, but they very promptly took them off when she was off our service. Because again, 
we weren't going to be sitting there for however many hours trying, you know, doing this with masks on. It was just not a thing. And that's not really how I wanted my baby being brought into the world. And I understand COVID, like, get it. But also, none of us had any symptoms. We were testing, like, there was nothing to indicate that we should be concerned. So, anyways, we, uh, she left and... I made it very clear that she was not welcome back in my room to my nurse, which she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, yeah, it's okay. Um, and we continued laboring and that was fine. So at about 1030, the contractions were getting to the point that I was like, these are kind of uncomfortable. And if they're going to get worse and like more rapid, I think that I should start considering the epidural because we don't know how long it's going to take for somebody to come and actually be able to give it to me. So let's order it now. So that's what we did. And I'm glad we did because he didn't arrive to give me the epidural until like quarter to midnight. And at that point I was super uncomfortable um, to the point that like they had offered me gas. I had turned it down and then I took it because I was like, I can't do this. Um, and they were so bad. Like I, the only way I can describe it is I felt like I was in shock and convulsing and I couldn't control my own body. And no matter how much breathing I did, it was just not a thing. So fetal monitoring was still good. Casey was good, but they weren't getting readings up above my belly button, which was very strange. Um, so they said, okay, well, whatever. It could be anything. No big deal. So lo and behold, um, the guy comes in, does the epidural, and honestly, if I hadn't had the gas during my epidural, I don't know that he, I would have been able to sit still for it, because the contractions at that point were pretty close together, and I was pretty painful, but again, at this point, we didn't know how far along I was, because nobody had done a cervical evaluation to see at what point of dilation I was at, and keep in mind, at this point, like, I had been in labor for however many hours, going from, like, not dilated at all to question mark like we didn't know so I uh was very happy to have the epidural they put me in the bed and they said okay we're gonna we're gonna put a peanut ball in lay on your left side get you comfortable whatever fine try to get some sleep so all of us tried to get some sleep and I woke up about an hour and a half later so closer to two o'clock in the morning and my nurse was on her lunch but the nurse that was covering was actually a nurse I had known from when I had been in before and I looked at her and I said, Jill, I feel something I probably shouldn't feel because I hadn't been feeling anything basically below the boobs since the epidural. And she's like, what do you mean? And I said, there's a triangle in my lower abdomen and I can feel the contraction. She's like, what? And I was like, yeah. She's like, okay, let me make some calls. So she called um, the anesthesiologist and he's like, she may need more. Let's just monitor whatever. And then Jill looked at me and she said, would you mind if I did a cervical on you? I just want to see where we're at. She's like, cause I, I, I wonder. And I was like, you wonder. She's like, yeah. So she sits on the edge of the bed and she's doing my cervical. And I looked at her and she looks me deadpan in the face. And she's like, Paige, you are fully dilated and I can feel his head. I was like, um, I'm sorry, what? And like, it's just two o'clock in the morning. Like I expected this was going to be like all night. Um, and she, uh, She's like, yeah, she's like, you better get ready because we're going to be pushing soon. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? She's like, I got to call doctor, the doctor and let her know. And because she wasn't expecting to deliver you. And I was like, okay. So she calls her. She's like, she is? Okay, well, give her an hour and then we'll push. So I pushed from three o'clock until five o'clock. 
and nothing changed. And I was trying and I was getting to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore. I was puking. Like I was having a hard time. I couldn't feel anything below my boobs, but I had this severe back pain on the left side in my shoulder blade. So I was having a hard time pushing. Um, I couldn't get comfortable. Like I was just the only, and it's funny, that was the only thing that really affected my comfortability, but I was really annoyed with it. So finally they're like, okay, we're going to call the OB. And I said, I don't care what you have to do. Just get the baby out. So any birth plan thought I had in my head went out the window. Um, but I did tell her, I said, you know, there are certain things I do want. Like I want Brady to cut the cord and I want delayed cord clamping. Those are the two things that if nothing else, those two things have to happen. She's like, no problem. She's like, are you open to whatever we have to do? I'm like, I don't care what you have to do. Just get him out of me at this point. So the OB comes down and she looks at me and she's like, how are we doing? And I said, oh, you know, and as I'm puking everywhere and she's like, oh man, okay, let's get this done then. So she looks at the bed and she's like, let's make some changes here. And for those of you who know me, they, you know, that I'm not like the tiniest girl. Like I'm a little bit heavier set. Like I've got thicker legs. I've got, um, a thicker hip line. Like I just, I'm very, I'm not, I'm not a skinny mini. So when I lay in that bed, like it's pretty narrow and she took the legs off the bed, moved my legs out, made it more comfortable. And all of a sudden pushing was easy. It was not a problem. And she's like, oh, it's like you've been doing this your whole life. And I was like, well, I can assure you this is the only baby I've had. So no, she's like, okay, no problem. She's like, this isn't going to take us long at this rate. She's like, especially because, you know, you had a really narrow pelvis. So trying to push through a narrow pelvis like that in a narrow bed is probably not what is going to work. So she's like, this should be a lot better. I was like, great. So she asked if her intern could be there and could help. And I said, yeah, I don't care. So I actually ended up letting her intern deliver, which was fine because she was right there. And honestly, like I, I felt really comfortable with the situation. And at that point I was so tired that I just didn't care. Um, and I gave a couple pushes. She said, stop. She said, do you feel that to the intern? He said, yep. She said, fix it. She looked at me and she said, do you want to feel his hair? And I was like, no, I don't want to feel his hair. She's like, do you want to see it? I was like, no, I don't want to see him. Like, I just pushed. She's like, okay, push again. I stopped. She's like, okay, stop. She's like, fix it again. And I didn't understand what was happening until after when Brady told me. But he had the cord wrapped around his neck twice. Um, so it had to be fixed before I could push because it could have caused a lot of problems in the long run. And it could have suffocated him. So then finally she said, okay, two more pushes and I think he's there. I gave one push and she said, Paige, look down. And there he was. So, um, they picked him up and put him on my chest and, um, you know, in the movies, how like a baby comes out and they're screaming. Yeah, that didn't happen for us. So he came out, laid on my chest and was completely quiet. And I was like, oh my God, is he alive? Is he breathing? And Brady's like, yeah, he, he is. And I was like, why is he not crying? <laughs> The nurse looked at me. She's like, that doesn't always happen. And I was like, okay, well, apparently it's not happening this time. Um, so he laid with me for a couple of minutes. And then the uh, doctor was telling me what he was doing because obviously he was delivering my placenta. And he's like, you're going to feel a little bit of pressure. I'm like, I feel nothing. Just do what you need to do. <laughs> and I was like, I just don't need the play-by-play. -play. Like, just get her done. And uh, they took him away and were cleaning me up and brought him back and... 
He weighed in at six pounds, two ounces, and he was 20 inches long and just a little bundle of joy. And his head was a little deformed from being um, in my birth canal for that long, but he, he was pretty good that way. And I did hear him cry for the first time. And then they left the room and the postpartum nurses came in and started their work, which if I'm honest, was very minimal. Um, their breastfeeding tutorial was not great. And because of that, we suffered. Um, he was jaundiced when he was born and likely should have had some light therapy because we ended up being admitted the next day for light therapy. So we had gone home, not 24 hours and we were back in the hospital and honestly, it was really traumatic. I will cover that on a different day, but, um, that kind of gives you his birth story. So he, uh, he was a perfect little bundle of joy when he came out, despite the fact that like I waited how many days to see him and had my water broke and was going through all the things, but he came out just fine. Now I want to say this was very interesting. So I did mention how I didn't have contractions above the belly button. They were really low. And I wanted to mention how, you know, with the fetal monitoring, they were having a hard time seeing him on one side versus the other. Well, here's the thing. So my, the umbilical cord that we had that connected us was two times the normal length. So he was sitting really low and that umbilical cord was sitting really low, which is why th that monitoring was so low. And that's why it gave the ability to have it wrapped around his neck twice. We don't know how it happened, but it did. Um, so it was kind of astonishing and the, the intern had never seen that before and apparently it's not a normal thing. So I, it was a little bit cray cray, but that's okay. But yeah, that is Casey's birth story. So we did get to bring him home the next day though. We were admitted back into the hospital the day after. So we 48 hours later, um, for phototherapy for jaundice. And that was an experience all of its own. And that was where the trauma went. Um, aside from obviously being my own advocate during the labor process that didn't really happen, um, it was it was the second trip to the hospital that really did me in because at that point I just really wanted to be home and relaxing and getting to know my baby and instead he was in an incubator getting light therapy. So, But I will cover that on a different day. But yeah, that is his story. So hopefully you guys can take something out of that. If I can tell you anything from the experience... Be your own advocate, stand up for yourself, know when you need to do something about a situation and when you need to push because sometimes our healthcare system isn't necessarily set up to push situations that aren't, you know, absolutely emergent, but need to be dealt with. Um, for instance, like me, I, I knew at that point we were approaching a time frame which he had to come out and it was just a matter of somebody needed to deal with me. And unfortunately with our healthcare system, um, it's not first come first serve. It's, they take them as needed. And my case wasn't as important, I guess. I don't really know. Um, but being high risk, I would have assumed that I would have been seen at least more than once in that 24 hour period. But yeah, that is Casey's story. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I can't begin to describe the immense gratitude I have for our listeners, friends, and family that continue to encourage and support this podcast. If you've loved this episode, share it with a friend or on your socials, and be sure to tag Uniquely Chambers so I can personally thank you.